We're back. It's the TX Water Polo Podcast. I'm James Smith in Austin, Texas. Joe Linehan is in San Antonio, Texas. So, Joe, anything uh, going on? What's happening in your life, huh? All good. It's all good. I know you want to talk about it, so go ahead. Well, Let the world know. I, I expect that the intro to the show is going to feature baby noises, so congratulations. I'm very pleased for you and Steph. You are expecting. Yeah, my wife Stephanie and I are going to be expecting a uh, like a little kiddo next fall, so it's going to be fun. Hey, do you uh, don't don't you love it when they say you know you're supposed to say we're pregnant? I don't buy into that nonsense whatsoever. I'm <laughs> I'm a very engaged parent, but I do do not presume to f- have the same kinds of feelings that my wife did when she was pregnant. No, but we do have to we do have to feel we do have to deal with them having their feelings. So there you oh, go. Oh, th- well, that's a whole, that's an entirely different thing. That's exactly <laughs> right. <clears throat> exactly. But, but we do get the, we do get, I think the blunt end of the stick, not <laughs> then not the sharp end of the stick during this process. I am, my wife is great. So let's just put it. <laughs> you better say that she's going to listen to this thing. You better say that. Yeah. My wife's great too, everyone. Just to make, uh, just to be clear about that. Yeah, well, Mazel Tov. That's really cool. I really that's that's very good news. Hey, Joe, I didn't even expect you'd ever have children. Are you? I think you're going to hear that a couple times here and there. Probably going to hear that a couple for those that are listening. This is a, this is Steph's and I uh, first child. So there you yeah, go. yeah, you're an old man. What's wrong with um, you? What are you, Mick Jagger? Jeez, not quite on. Um, we're not quite in Mick Jagger territory <laughs> yet. So, although he probably had about eight kids along the way, but he had uh, one when he was seventy-two. That's like child abuse. I'm not sorry. close to that whatsoever. So yeah. go a long, long way away yeah. from that. So. I mean, your age still starts with a four. That's good news. But we are, we are very, very excited about that. Good. So we yeah. are, we are, we are very excited. So, it's not yeah, as though there's going to be a shortage of support for you. Like you know that. I, I, uh, I, I don't know. And I mean, we're just, we're just blessed and just. It's going to be an interesting uh, journey here. So, all right, I'm going to send. And I'm all- sure a lot of people are going to go, ha ha. Now he has to deal with it. <laughs> this is there's yeah. something to that. Like you're the busiest man in water polo, and I swear to God, I put it probably should have said that during our three hour conversation that we had prior to this, was that I completely foresee that your efforts are going to be diminished because you're going to have to spend more time with your child, and that's the way it should be. So I I find that to be sort of gratifying and funny at the same time because you're going to probably – your teeth will probably hurt because you're like, I can't run this tournament or I can't do this or whatever. No, I would disagree with the whole busiest you man think water so? pole comment. But um, <laughs> it would be – it's it's one of those things where, yeah, of course, you know, kind of kind of family should always come first. So, so that – well, yeah, you say that now. And when, when, when your child is keeping you up all night, you're like, I don't know if this whole family thing might be slightly under overrated. So anyway, we will, we will check back in, in about nine months. Congratulations, so. Joe. Very, very pleased for you. Um, we obviously we'll be tracking that progress on here because who cares about Texas water polo? We just care about your child. That's what we're, that's what this, we, I set up this podcast just for that reason is to, to follow our families. That was it. Yes. And it's always my personal stuff. So there you go. <laughs> Well, you can, that. you can ask me about my personal stuff. It's just not <laughs> nearly as exciting. Not as not as much. Although I did host a tournament this last weekend. We'll get into that. Um, but let's start first with Austin College. They went out to California for MPSF championships. Uh, it's been several years since Austin College announced that it would be members of the MPSF. And I still cannot get over the fact that they're part of the conference. That's the single most competitive 
that's a that's a polite way of putting it. It's the it's the most competitive conference in the in the water polo world. Um, and so they went out there though. They played Penn State Barron, like we mentioned last week. They played them twice. They beat them twice. They lost to USC. This is not a shock in any way. Um, but that final win over Penn State Barron that has to be extremely gratifying for uh, a group of young men who've had to go through a lot in the last couple, really, well, over the last year, I guess. So congratulations to them. That's a good, very, very good way to end the season. And I suspect that they're super happy about that because they have lost to Penn State Barron in the past, so, and they've won two games convincingly. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, uh, it, it was an abbreviated season. I think they had an abbreviated roster because I think throughout this kind of kind of since they started training there were kids either quarantined or not quarantined and stuff like that so right. i mean I, I don't know exactly who traveled this past weekend i know you i know we're gonna have a an interview with mark lawrence kind of later today but yep. it's gonna be um i'm just very happy for all the kids that played yeah whether or not they traveled this past yeah this past weekend or not but right. congrats to them congrats to mark and his staff that kind of found a way to play this year for yeah. a lot of people didn't so. completely right i mean and this is even in the midst of having several games canceled because of the of the weather and all of that so anyway they beat uh penn state bear in their first game 19-7 they lost to usc 21 to 5 and then beat penn state baron in the final their fifth place match for mpsf 17-11 uh, um, well done and then they have to turn the page really quick and they're going out to uh uop this weekend for the girls the women will be out there this weekend i'm bummed out i you know my uh my girl kendall she she got covid so she's knocked out she's not going to be on that roster that makes me sad um but yeah the the whole team and and the travel team has apparently not been announced yet it's a, a i guess a matter of moments before it does by the time this comes out maybe that roster will be out there but yeah two games against uop in uh beautiful beautiful stockton california that's coming up um that, that's actually going to be a very interesting matchup for this team because uh, after pacific as we've mentioned a billion times their schedule i don't know what do you what do you want to say it like comes it, it's it's I don't, more winnable. I mean, that's really the way it is. Yeah, it's going to be going from a Division One uh, kind of a, opponent to playing Division Two and Division Three teams on these coasts. Yeah. So there you go. And I mean, it's they're playing who they can play this year, and they're just going to go compete. And if they win, they win. They they yeah, they lose, they lose. But I think that the women are set up to have a very good season this year for Austin College. Have you ever been to Kenosha, Wisconsin? I'm, I'm I actually, have been. You have. The pool is actually pretty nice too. I'm not joking. I am thinking about doing that. I'm thinking about going up there. And Kenosha's right on. Yeah, it's there's a beach in Kenosha. What? Kenosha was also the site of some issues over like last summer in 2020. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> okay, uh, that's not going to color my uh, my opinion about going up there one way or the other. So. And it's really only about an hour north of uh, of Chicago. So. Uh, you know. Okay. I'm I have heard some similar things about how it's pretty nice up there and you wouldn't think that Wisconsin would be home to a program that has water polo but uh um I'm yeah I'm a little bit interested in that anyway we'll see about that and That's... And, and all I remember about Kenosha is if there was a um there was a restaurant that I got taken to it was in an old train car and it was fabulous so okay there you go. I'll keep that in mind it was like a diner type place you know and it was great 
The, 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 uh, just in case people are confused, the Kenosha, Wisconsin is where the CWPA tournament is going to be this year. That's a, that's a tournament that Austin should be, in my opinion, maybe even favored. And that's April 17th and 18th. It's around the corner. That's unbelievable, man. You know, that reminds me, I'm just going to sort of add this parenthetically. I was going to go up to the Intercontinental Cup, and I guess FINA finally announced that it had been canceled. So my trip to Indianapolis at least is deferred. But I I was looking forward to covering that event. But uh, canceled nonetheless. Well, we'll just kind of cash in in your ticket and go to Japan instead. Yeah, those, those prices are slightly different to go to Indianapolis versus Tokyo Narita. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, anything else about those guys? Cause I'll, we'll move on. There's a little bit of news about ODP that I happen to know about for some reason. Let's go to ODP. Um, good news. So a clinic is in place. Uh, n- as of today, none of this has been published yet on usawaterpolo.org or com com. Yeah. Um, it, but it will be, um, so a clinic to take place, uh, coming up soon, actually on the 21st of March in San Antonio, Joe, I saw photos of the pool that you're talking about. That place is amazing. Yeah. It's nice. Did, it's a great pool. It's the new Alma Heights ISD Natatorium. So yeah, sorry. I'm interrupting myself, but anyway, uh, we're going to set it up so that there are two sessions for each of the following, um, uh, clinics that I'm going to mention. Um, there'll be a morning session for the older athletes and then an afternoon session for the development athletes. But we will, we want to make sure that everybody understands if the numbers are low enough, we'll just do one single four hour session. And that's fine in the morning in the the morning. morning. Absolutely. Um, for whatever reason, like YouTube was throwing a video, you know who Michael Andrew is the swimmer. Is it Andrew or Andrews? I don't remember. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So he does his own blog. I don't, you know, whatever it's, (laughs) it's neither here nor there for me, but uh, I just happened to catch it. And he was in San Antonio. And so he goes to warm up for whatever this event that he was doing this last weekend at that pool. I was like, holy cow, that place looks fantastic. So I'm pretty excited about that brand new pool. Yeah. yeah so there's the tier pro cup series for That's swimming it. was at the the same location as the state championships for for boys and girls uh, for, for high school. And because the girls got moved to March 1st and 2nd, yeah. the tier pro swimmers had to go someplace else to swim. So that was and where they were. And Heights just opened up at the end of January. They're just down the road from where the state swim meet was. Got it. So they, got, so they went there. So there were a ton of great swimmers there. So that place is close to Northside? No, it's close to Northeast ISD. Northeast, got it. Okay. I'm, I, I, like I've told you before, I know uh, San Antonio not nearly as well as I should. So that'll be... I'll be right on the heels of coming home from Santa Fe. The next day, i got to drive down to San Antonio. Okay. Uh, then, uh, two other clinics. One at the uh, Eastside Aquatic Center up in Louisville on the, uh, on the 11th of April. The format should be the same. And then a, I was going to say final. We don't really know whether it's final. It's probably the final clinic of the season on the 18th of April at SciFair. We're going to go back to that pool, which I love. Um, and again, the format's the same morning, afternoon sessions will consolidate if we need to into the morning. So keep an eye open from that account for those registration details. And not that anybody can't go to, to whichever kind of camp or clinic that they want to, but I, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but they're kind of, 
you know, kind of designed for go to the one in your area. Oh, for sure. And they're, they're, you're right. I mean, I didn't really specify that, but that's sort of the idea, right? Is uh, we had to cancel the clinic in Round Rock. And so I immediately got all of these emails saying, is this going to be rescheduled? And I had to sort of bite my tongue because I knew I was almost positive we were not going to be able to get back into the pool in Round Rock. But uh, the, you know, uh, to be honest, it was you who suggested the pool in San Antonio. And I'm all for that. Like I've been trying to push our events to San Antonio as much as we possibly can in order to attract those athletes. And now that, that the, um, that it's a UIL sport where, you know, I, I think the, the, the numbers are going to be good, but yes, that's the idea. Central Texans go to the one in San Antonio. Again, it's not required or it's not exclusive, but that's the idea. Um, and then North Texans go to Louisville and, uh, or the colony and, uh, Houston, uh, athletes go to Cypher. You're exactly right. I mean, that should make it a, like a little bit easier, especially during this busy kind of time of year with high school games going on. There's a couple kind of travel tournaments for, right. um, for, uh, what's it called? Um, for like the age group kids and as well as kind of local game days. So, you know, just kind of keep it local. It's one less thing to travel to. Yeah. I think, in fact, we're going to try to keep it uh, local for coaches as well. So central Texans will not entirely, but we'll coach the central Texas one, North Texas, South Texas, uh, Houston, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Okay. Um, how is Texas coaches Academy? We've been talking about that for a couple of weeks. It was great. I mean, yeah, Ian Davidson and Sabrina Carlo did a great job this past Sunday. Um, I did, I did email that out to all the, uh, all the coaches around the state for, for both club coaches and kind of high school coaches this past uh, Sunday evening, it's available for, for everybody. We're going to put that on TX water pole kind of this week. And I'm going to send out a, like a kind of a education blast to everybody about, Hey, here's all the links. Here's all the information. Please let me know if you, it, yeah, if like, if you need some help, I, I'm even going to kind of, kind of borrow something from kind of Ian and I'm going to open up some office hours for people to kind of oh, yeah. sign up and Hey, if you want to discuss something, please come and discuss it. And it'll be on Tuesday evenings or, the, or like kind of, kind of afternoons and people can sign up for a 30, like a 30 minute session or an hour session. And we can talk about whatever they want to talk about. That's really um, cool. kind of how to use timeouts, kind of how to sub. Um, I had this happen this past weekend. So what do you think? Or I have one coach in, yeah, in, and kind of 45 athletes and a six lane shallow deep pool. What do I do? Yeah. You good know? And great I mean, questions. it's just, you know, it's just, it's going to be one of those things where that'll be Tuesday afternoon. That'll start probably next week sometime. Okay. Well, that's, that's a great resource to have available. Yeah. Very cool. Um, Ian knows his stuff too. So, um, cool. I think we're going to wrap that up. We're, we'll, we'll come back, talk about high school, and then we will finish off with a conversation with Mark Lawrence, head coach at Austin college. We're going to grab him while we can because he's basically the week between seasons. So, um, we'll, we'll talk to him later, but, uh, we'll be right back. All of TX Water Polo is brought to you advertising free, and we'd like to keep it that way. So we're asking for your help. Show your support by going to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give so we can keep covering the sport we love in the Lone Star State. Hey, this is Max Irving from the U.S. Men's Senior National Team. And to get all things Texas water polo, I'm listening to the TX Water Polo Podcast. 
Thompson, Joe, back with you. Um, let's do some high school stuff. We've been saying for weeks that the schedule or the the, uh, the season is upon us, and now it finally is. We had actual games over the weekend. So where would you like to start? Because obviously my prejudice is toward uh, the West region where we hosted a tournament in Round Rock. So uh, you wanna, want, where do you want to go? Well, just let's just talk about the West region to start with. Well, what a good idea. How about – what an excellent idea. Um I had uh, horrible predictions before we started about who would do well and who wouldn't. I mean, some of them ended up being um, largely correct, I guess, but you just don't know. So um, I, I would say, so we played 13 games. We had to, we included some consolidated games over the weekend. We did some scrimmaging even, um, and uh, Round Rock boys came away uh, with two pretty large victories and Cedar Ridge girls came away with two uh, victories the one game that was easily the best was a uh, and I pat myself on the back for this because I, I deliberately schedule Cedar Ridge versus uh, Round Rock every season that we can and true enough it came to a 13 uh, 14 to 13 victory for Cedar Ridge it was a very very entertaining game so um, but anyway a good start to the season there are teams that are missing from this roster because they have not yet been able to practice. And so there will be more in the West region. And that doesn't even count those from San Antonio or from the Valley. Um, so, uh, but, but a good start to a season that is going to be strange. I would put, I guess I would put it that way. The San Antonio schedule starts, you know, in um, on March 19, 20, that in, yeah, in Northside, they're only playing themselves. Um, I think, um, Alma Heights is going to start playing with the Tisco like kind of West region here soon. Yeah. There were games this past week um, down in the Valley. Yeah. Do you know what? I don't have the scores in front of me. What and, do you know? Uh, I uh, kind of Los Fresnos kind of went to Harlingen and beat the, and beat the Harlingen teams, okay. both boys and girls. And they also played at PSGA and won the boys and girls games there too. No so kidding. I think Los Fresnos is undefeated right now. So awesome. I, I would love, gosh, man. I'd and I think they're playing on coming up to the West region tournament. Beautiful. So. That's precisely what I want to hear. Excellent. Okay. Great news. Um, what, what's, uh, what about Houston? I'm, let me punch up the results myself, but the, we had results from Houston as well. The Ascension tournament. I think that's, is it Ascension because that's the sponsor? I don't even know, to be honest. Don't know, but uh, okay. that was um, that was at Alvin. Yep. Um, um, kind of Alvin High School kind of sponsored that tournament, and a bunch of the I guess the South Houston teams kind of played there. So, um, plus Lamar and yeah and yeah and some others. So, I think uh, what Dawson Dawson did well. I think on, yes. on the boy side. Yep. Um, you have the results for the girls, correct? Yeah, I do too. They, they, it was, um, I mean, you know, similar. I mean, like Clear Creek had some good wins on the girls' side. Uh, Lamar had some good wins on the girls' side. It was, it's a little. What, what do you want to? How do you want to put it? It was like it's a tournament, but it was a compartmentalized one. Or what? The way you put it was, it was a pod, right? It's like you're playing in pods. So it wasn't as though you had all this cross referencing between two different or, or several different teams. It was like they would play, you know, basically two different teams, and that was it. So which is fine. Um, but yeah, those are, those are the ones that stood out to me. Um, Pearland girls had beat Baytown, which is I think is a not un. Not to, not unexpected, I suppose. Um, but the, but that's really what uh, what I came away with. Yeah, and also a shout out to Brazos boys and girls who I think did well this weekend as well. Beautiful. All right, let's head to the north. I got to punch up those results too. No, we also had um, the Psy Creek High School also kind of hosted oh, yeah. um, the Jamboree up in North mm-hmm. Houston. We don't have the results as of the taping of this, but 
I know I assume Jeff Chandler kind of hosted a, a great event up there. And we will probably talk a, a little bit about it next week. Would be nice to know those results. So if anybody has them, send them our way. Um, two tournaments up in the north. Um, Hebron uh, had the Hawks Classic. I like that name of that. And they picked the right uh, – they were the same pool that we're going to be at in a couple weeks. So what was the big game in that tournament, Joe? I think the three big teams were uh, Flower Mound, Geyer, and Marcus kind of played each other. Yeah, kind of played each other, boys, girls. And, you know, I think Flower Mound came on top on both boys and girls. I think they both went to – or uh, I think Flower Mound boys went 2-0. and I think Flower Mound girls went 2-0. and And, I mean, it's just – those are the top three teams in that event. Of course, you know, the host, the uh, Hebron High School, is in Donzi Lilly and his group are doing well. And I, I think this is, you know, this is one of, like, two or three different tournaments he's even hosting this spring. So, it's good. Nice. I think uh, the I think the standout game was probably uh, or maybe I don't know if it's the b- biggest surprise, but Flower Mound girls beating uh, Geyer. Uh, that was that was what stood out to me at least. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to go back and forth kind kind of all year, yeah. and um, again, it's always kind of hard with these first couple weekends, completely. You know, you or know the weekends playing. here in yeah. the middle of March. You know. Who's going out of town for spring break? Who's not going out of town for spring break? Who had a full roster? Who didn't have a full exactly. roster? But I think Flower Mound and Guyer are probably the top two girls teams up, like up here in North Texas, along with South Lake Carroll. So, probably speaking of which, um, they hosted a tournament as well. Um, it looks like both the uh, girl Carroll girls um, and the Carroll boys did pretty well. So, um, or is that right? No. Yes. Saint, well, St. Mark's went up there. They took a, they they beat Carroll twenty to three. Um, they uh, beat uh, I don't even know what Dallas Blue is. I, clearly, a consolidated or club team. They beat them pretty soundly. So, no surprise about that. I would guess Dallas Blue is a group of Pegasus kids. They okay. don't have a high school team to play with. Ah, so. very nice. Okay, so and, the, and those were probably the top teams right there for on the boys' side. It was the Pegasus group. It was, it was St. Mark's and Carroll boys. There they all go. kind of played each other in like a little pod as well. So is Dallas Blue going to play the entire season as a consolidated? We already know that they can't go to uh, regionals, but that that's a standing team. I think they're going to try to play as much as they can. Sure. Okay. Um, I don't know what the exact plans are. And, you know, it. I mean, there, yeah, there's always that possibility. If you get enough kids, a critical mass of kids from one high school, they, then they can compete in district, right. regional, state, and stuff like that. So. At any point, too, right? At least in the West region, I think the North is the same. But, yeah, if you were able to get a team together in the middle of the season, no problem. You can join up. Yep, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Polling came in, although, we, well, we, we started polling. We did it a little bit of a weak release or soft release, I think is what the way they would put it in the software world. But um, we're going to get that going all guns blazing this coming week. So we're looking forward to. So coaches, if you're listening to this, it is entirely likely you're going to get an email to ask you to participate in a panel, which will do weekly uh, weekly voting on rankings on, on, on teams both of Texas statewide and within your region. So keep an eye out for that, okay? Um, so we will also reinstate what we, at least to some degree, what we were doing last year about players of the week. That has not yet come out. That should come out uh, within the next couple of days. And we'll be, we'll, what we'll do is we'll close both of those voting windows on Monday night. Um, so that you'll have a chance to to watch games over the weekend and prior and uh, be able to either vote for your team as a coach or for submitting players of the week as a fan, coach, player, athlete, whomever. 
Just uh, as with everything else, it's a little slow rolling out this year. So yeah, that's my fault. You know, that. Okay. and we will work on getting all the results and and like you know and links and such like that to all the schedules up on the uh, up on the uh, TX Waterpool website as well. As best as possible. Yeah, it's getting results. I'm going to complain about that forever. It is so hard to get scores. Like not not entirely, but you know, it's if you're trying to be comprehensive about it, it can be difficult. Okay. It's getting better and better. So. It is getting better. Um, I wanted to also mention what I did last week is, as I said, I'm going to be sending out this email to every coach that I have access to in in the state. Um, in that will also be a link to a, uh, a, a basically a survey. It's a survey that's being administered by a physician in uh, Missouri who is trying to track COVID data that is related to water polo. It is a if I recall weekly, they, they're looking for weekly updates. So in other words, you're going to answer questions like how many games do you guys play and how many of your athletes, you know, got COVID and stuff like that. So please, I would urge you from the standpoint of somebody who wants to support the sport and who understands what COVID is doing to it is to, uh, to participate in that. That would be super helpful. So look out for that link as well. Yeah, the more information we have on this stuff, the better it's going to be for everybody. That's it. All good. All right. I'll be back and we'll talk with Mark Lawrence. Hi, I'm Claire, and I'm, and you're listening to the TX Warble Podcast. <laughs> Mark Lawrence is the head coach of the men's and women's program at Austin College. If you didn't know that at this point, and you're a Texas water polo fan, you know you got to pay attention. But anyway. It has been some season, and Mark Lawrence is with us now to talk about it and a little bit more. Hi, Mark. Hey, James. How's it going? It's good. I mean, the, the primary question, aside from when we get into the ice storm, is everybody wants to know, how is Maxson? Oh, he's doing awesome. He um, He's built like dad. He is <laughs> he six a beard. months old. Yeah, absolutely. He already has beard and chest hair. <laughs> um, he, um, he turned six months old last weekend, and he's wearing 12 to 18-month size clothes already. So... He's uh, 30 inches and 20 pounds as a six-month-old and outgrown baby carrier already, and he's going to be a big boy. So, but he's doing awesome. He's a happy. He's happy 24/7 and um, very healthy and an absolute joy to have around. So he's quickly becoming the mascot of our women's program. That's beautiful. But you left aside the single most important question, which is: Is he left-handed? We're working on it. Okay. We're trying. Good. Does he does like to go iron cross with his arms and his he jolts up in his while he's in with the iron cross arms and then he has started to do some sort of scissor kick egg beater in the bathtub on Not his own way. like really so we we're pretty confident with two parent with two parents who are warpo players and warpo coaches that he'll he'll find his way in, into the water in some fashion you it's know in, it's so, in his blood yeah yeah yeah. Um, I I was always curious as well and I know that we're so completely off topic but you know you got a dog not too far before Maxon was born is your dog now almost like a second class citizen compared to this beautiful kid the second biggest person in our family so he's (laughs) he's 140 pounds roughly and he's 18 months old and um you know, I'm six seven, and when he stretches out and lays out in our bed with us at night, he is longer than I am tall. And he, when he stands up on all fours, he's 
his head his head is above our kitchen counters and he comes up to my waist and he's tall enough to where he just drinks water out of the kitchen faucet so <laughs> uh, he's 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 also doing awesome uh loves the warplo athletes like they're his favorite people you know so uh, but he's he's doing really well too. I do not want to see what your uh, dog food budget is. I mean, we have two dogs, and they're neither of them are that that big. So you know, we're still yeah. spending a bunch of money, but no, we're not. We don't have like an elephant in our house like you do. Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty it's a pretty good sized budget we had to save up for. Uh, for- <laughs> Um, okay, let's talk water polo because that's what this yep. is all about and all that stuff. But uh, really, the largest theme is that this has been – I wrote down in my notes, I said this might be the strangest water polo season ever, but it, it, there's no might about it. it. It's clearly the strangest season, and not just for you, but for everyone in the entire country. Yep. So. You had a grand total of five matches through the season, which is just unthinkable from a normal standpoint, right? And so I I guess the first question is, um, you had several games that were canceled because of the the ice storm. How soon, when did that decision take place? I mean, I'm sure it was disappointing and it's certainly understandable, but when did that decision not to go take place? So the decision... um we were supposed to leave, like, I, if I remember correctly, the weekend before the storm hit. Because the storm hit, like, on a Sunday night is when it really yes. started. Um, things up here, because we're, we're north, we were starting to get some ice prior, a couple of days prior. And uh, we were supposed to leave, like, Friday afternoon for a weekend in uh, Pennsylvania. Oh, sorry, for a weekend at uh, 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 um, Air Force Academy. Yeah. Um, we were supposed to fly Friday night, play Saturday, play Sunday. And come back home and um we we made the choice not to go about 24 hours prior to when we we're supposed to leave and it wasn't so much leaving texas it was coming home it was coming back and you know it ended up working out because uh, every single flight back to dfw from colorado on the sunday we were supposed to travel was canceled so we would have been stuck there uh for at least a few days and driving home probably would not have been a, a wise choice you know so we definitely, um, in the moment, it was really hard. It really tugged on your like your like heart strings a little bit because you weren't sure that the storm was going to be as bad as they were talking about. Right. Having. So you know, part of you, the competitive part of you, is like, no, it's fine, we'll be okay. And then Sunday came along and everything was shut down, and we were so fortunate that we ended up not going. I had parents of our athletes send me text messages like saying, saying thank you for not uh, putting their child in harm's way and. You know, that's when you realized it was like it was the right thing for the school to do. And then uh, the following week, you know, the storm was over. But uh, the after effects with utilities and roads and uh, just different things that support your day to day needs uh, being all shut down. That was a pretty easy, easy choice not to go the following weekend to Pennsylvania. So, well, it was a in your home pool. We talked about this before we started this conversation, but the home pool they had to utilize the water. Yeah, absolutely. So, like our um, overall, like I thought our school did a phenomenal job of like handling the uh, storm, Um, and our school's really done a great job with COVID. When you when you read or hear of these different stories from different schools across the country, big and small. But we're in a situation where, you know, our school's old. We're the original private school in Texas. And uh, we uh, we have an older historic campus and we have boilers. Um, I didn't realize 
those are still in such use. And, um, <laughs> you know, with, with uh, water being shut down, the boys were, the boilers were running empty and the school had to empty our pool to uh, fill the boilers to make sure that the, that the athletes and the students who were on campus living had heat uh, for that eight to 10 day process. So um, it was something that we didn't even blink our eye at. We were like, okay, we understand the, the impact it would have on our season, but at the same time, you know, you have to do what's right first. And that was obviously the right choice to make. So, you know, away from the storm, we were poolless for an additional three to four days afterwards. Well, let's talk about that because the, it, I mean, again, you would typically, let's just say you would have 20 games a season. It's maybe even more than that. Like that's the typical yeah. season. Um, you had two games against Air Force at your home pool and then, uh, you know, a, a large break, largely because of this ice storm. And then next thing you know, you're thrown into the pool at MPSF Championships. So yeah. well, how do you prepare for that? Like, what do you what do you do when you've got just you, you're, you've lost pool time? You don't have the competitive the, the competition that you have normally. What, what did you do? Yeah, um, you know, I think this is like the one of the moments where like, I think as uh, it's easy to sit back at the coach and be like, okay, this is the game plan. We're going to do this. We're going to follow these steps and it's going to be okay. But when it's like, when you want to get the genuine, honest answer, you just really rely on the athletic character of, of your athletes and them not giving up in really hard situations. You know, we at times looked um, like we were on cloud nine throughout this season practicing. And I was, we were all really jazzed up on like how we looked and how we were going to compete. And then there were days where we just looked uh, abs absolutely defeated, whether it was COVID or the storm. And it was such a, a, a roller coaster of like stopping and starting, stopping and starting. And, you know, like there's a textbook answer out there for what coaches should do. Um, but I think when you're in the situation, it's, it's so hard to really even plan things out for more than a 48 hour window. Cause you don't know what's around the corner with all these challenges. And um, what we really did was we, we relied on the athletic character of our athletes and, you know, they did a phenomenal job. We talked about how if we go to MPSFs and we play three games, regardless of outcome and we come home healthy, like you might as well give us the national championship, you know, <laughs> that's how we felt. And, um, you know, it really comes down to the character and the passion and the drive that these athletes have and their ability to, um, you know, they stay mentally focused and keep their passion during really challenging times because we finished our, our last game at UCLA and uh, had a great experience that weekend. And nobody even remembered the challenges leading up to that weekend. It was all just sheer joy in the moment, you know, so. Um, and that's the important thing when it's all said and done. And it probably didn't hurt. I, I think weather was pretty decent when you were out in Los Angeles. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, you, yeah. you didn't have to stay inside. So I think that helped as well. But um, you had your traditional, uh, now traditional matchup against the, your uh, in-conference rivals, Penn State Barron. Um, in the past, that's been a, a challenging matchup. Like a, you've gone back and forth a little bit. But two convincing wins this year. So you placed fifth in MPSF, which is the single most challenging uh, conference in, in the country. Uh, but you, your championship, quote unquote, that's the way I would call it, is against Penn State Barron. And you beat them twice pretty convincingly. Convincingly, What was the difference? Yeah, we were really excited. Well, I, I, I think the one thing that um, in the last couple of years that people didn't pay too much attention to Division Three Warplo outside of California, you know, um, Penn State Barron had three phenomenal players that all 
one is supposed to be a senior this year, and I'm not sure what separated him from the roster, but two graduated last year. And um, these the, these three gentlemen were as good as they were as Division One players. And um, they probably should have been somewhere playing um, in, a, in a bigger program possibly. But they had three phenomenal players that were just a scary three-headed monster. And we felt very confident against the rest of their roster. But those three guys... You know, one's a goalie and two are field players, players, and you get them in one-on-one situations and they were going to be able to create, you know, um, almost every time. And especially when you have, when we had a roster of 18, 19-year-old, essentially boys, and they had 21, 22-year-old seniors and juniors that were well-seasoned and uh, with the MPSF schedule and things of that nature. So that was the biggest challenge. And those gentlemen graduated and, um, you know, uh, you know, you talk to most coaches on the East Coast, and they know who they are. They help Penn State get wins um, against D1 programs throughout their uh, career and stuff of that nature. So they really, they really drove um, a great, a couple great teams that Penn State had. And this year, um, Penn State's got some really talented players. They have a center and a center D. One's from California, one's from from Pennsylvania, and they they're big physical guys, and they're really nice players. And uh, you know, our our guys are just mentally maturing and physically maturing and now they're you know our juniors our first class are now juniors and they've been through the process and they know what to expect and we didn't um our first game with them i think we played pretty well our second game with them i think we had a hard time staying um up like like energy wise we would play great for a couple minutes and then let them back in the game because we take our foot off the pedal but you know i think those are moments you have to learn and grow from but our, our guys just played really well. They were really focused. And it was a challenging game because neither team was in necessarily in shape. You know, right. um, Both teams lost significant players from their roster who they expected to have. And um, you know, it was challenging circumstances, but our guys played r- really, really well. So um, I don't think anyone's going to be upset by scoring 38 goals in two games <laughs> when you're, say, 35% in shape. You know, so... Uh, first game against them on Friday was a 19-7 win. Uh, the, the then USC, I'd like to talk about that as well. But um, the, yeah. then 17-11 in the final game. But uh, yeah, tell us a little bit. I mean, because you know, I, I heck, I, I was not that great a player. And when you're going up against Stanford or the, one of the big teams, you get a little starry-eyed about it. I'm just wondering about your kids. Oh, they were great. And, and I think one great thing that's to say about the Penn State Baron games before we move on. Mm, that yeah, sure. We were able to get um, all 16 players to dress significant playing time. So that was great, too, as we build for the future to get our freshmen and sophomores a lot of run in those games. So that was that was really great to see, too. Um, so with SC, it's like, you know, you look at those big four schools and, you know, part of our recruiting process, we talk about it. And, you know, I would be I would be ignorant to think that the opportunity to go to these weekends and play teams like that aren't a big reason why these kids choose Austin College or Penn State Baron. And, um, you know, we talked about beforehand where they can't they, – they know who these guys are as far as national team players, and they know how cool and fancy-looking their logos are and how big and, you know, most cases, tan they are. And, like, <laughs> we just uh, – you have to look past all that and just understand. They're just, uh, they're just a human that you're trying to compete against and get better. And we talk about all the time in greater detail than how I'm going to describe it right now, but – you know, essentially, the the message is that the only thing you the only thing you have to lose is an opportunity to get better. And um, when you go out there and you and you try to win every single possession, regardless of what the score is, and you're 
your energy level is high, like that's man, that one game is probably worth two months of practice. Mm, yeah, um, exactly. As far, as far as knowledge goes and physical, like uh, being like a physical sponge and, and understanding where things fail, where things work, and how to um, at the moment and. You know, our guys love those games. They absolutely love to play a, a school like SC, a school like Air Force. You know, they absolutely, um, those are the games that they look forward to where the big the big challenge we have right now is how do we get as excited when we play like Division Three peers, you know? And, um, but the SC game was great. Like, I was really proud of our guys. You know, it was halfway through the first quarter. It was like 3-0. And uh, we got a couple really good stops. And our um, our, our young goalies had a couple of really good blocks. And, the, and obviously, they eventually pulled away. Um, but, you know, being able to score five goals against SC was something that we wanted to do. We had played Cal the previous two years. And I think our the most amount of goals we had were three goals in one game against Cal. So I challenged the guys to get five-plus goals, try and get a two-goal average per quarter, you know, um, which, you know, in a normal game seemed like lame goals. But against a team like that, uh, was something that we were really, really striving for. And, you know, our two goalies, a freshman and sophomore, both from uh, 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 Chicago, probably never played that level of war flow before. And they they had a combined, like, 14 blocks, which was uh, uh, amazing. Um, also, I guess, amazing that they had 14 blocks and they still scored 21 goals. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, but they did an amazing job, like, they didn't play scared at all. And our field players did a great job. And, you know, um, our guy, Robert Griffin, got two more goals. And for whatever reason, he has all of his multi-goal games against Cal and USC at this point in his career. So, but it was just amazing to see. And our guys had, you know, our, our I, I think um, everyone's favorite Texan, Alex Rodriguez, had a pretty, <laughs> pretty crazy circus goal at the end that even the USC guys were like, oh, my God. That was slash like amazing slash embarrassing slash cool, you know. <laughs> but the other four goals by Alex and Robert and Max Wade were legit goals off, you know, cross passes, off drives, off ISOs, off uh, six on fives, and they were high quality, well earned goals and just sh- showcases a really great war polo. So there was a lot to be really excited about with that game, and um, that game was way more competitive than our showing against Cal the last two years. So that's something that we're that you'll never see on the FOSH or on a, or on a schedule or a stat sheet, but something we are really proud of with all things considered with this year as well, you know. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff on the FOSH that you might not see else, elsewhere. The, the, as uh, Joe always, say, always says, it's the quality of the input that matters. I, I've uh, gone back and looked at those statistics sometimes. So how, how yeah. was the overall vibe in California? We're getting sort of mixed messages about what the clampdown is looking like there uh, from a you know, specifically water polo per, per perspective. But what was your sense? Oh, I mean, I was, I was really happy with it. Um, you know, first and foremost, UCLA did an amazing job of hosting it making everyone feel welcome and feel comfortable while they're on campus, you know? So, um, being out there, like our biggest stress was just the transition at the airport you know, on the plane and in the terminal, what that was going to look like. And that ended up being much easier than we had thought it was going to be. Um, of course we have to wear, you know, you have to wear masks and you can't eat in restaurants and stuff, but honestly, it felt like a pretty normal, felt like a pretty normal weekend. Like there was no spectators, but they had fan cardboard cutouts. Um, it was still being live streamed. It was still a, an extremely high energy. When you go to NPSF championships, like a lot of times you don't notice the crowd or you don't notice uh, the things are away from the physical game. And 
the experience that we were looking for and that we got in previous years was 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 pretty similar. You know, the biggest difference was just probably having the DoorDash versus go and sit down at a restaurant. But um, our, our hotel did a great job of giving us a big conference room where we had team dinners in. Um, overall, the vibe was, was really good. The guys were happy to be out there. There was there was a lot of there's a new normal, obviously, with COVID, but there wasn't one element of that new normal that made our guys feel any sort of resentment or any lesser level of enjoyment than previous years, you know, so we were really excited when it was all said and done. I think some of the footage that I've been seeing from CIF games in Southern California are, you know, there's even spectators in the stands and stuff. So it seemed, I, I mean, it's, it feels from a distance like things shifted quite quickly there. So it's, I'm, I'm glad to hear that yeah. that's what happened. Well, th- they have a pretty crazy governor, as we all know, but it seems like a lot of the things are being impacted with the with the with the sports at the youth or collegiate level is more county based. Um, that's the one thing that I I learned was when we were out there, it wasn't so much about what the state was allowing, it was about right. what LA County was allowing. And um, you know, LA County having such a big sports space from all levels um, was was you know it was, it was a really uh, enjoyable trip. So. Not to tout my own uh, other podcast, but I spoke with you know Brian Flax and uh, Paul Split, Ohio and California coaches, and Flax was just you know despondent because the county of Los Angeles was really strict about all of this. Now it's their choice; that's the, that's the way it goes. But he gets to see the comparison to Texas and Ohio and other places, and it just seemed like a yeah. a huge drag. So I'm I'm glad things are loosening yeah. up. Well, they're on a day to day where we just. We just traveled in. At, we're at a hotel and went to UCLA. Essentially, <laughs> you know what I mean. So yeah. we didn't really guess uh, for what our our purpose was. It was it was pretty enjoyable still. So all right. So speaking of different areas of California, you're going to not the coast. You're going to beautiful, beautiful Stockton, California, uh, with yeah. your women this coming weekend. Um, so. Two games against UOP on uh, Sunday, uh, both of them on Sunday, according to what the schedule says. How did yeah, those yeah. games get on the calendar? So we um, we were um, looking for a fourth weekend. Uh, so one thing we felt really fortunate with with Austin College is that like we're not we're not playing a heavy amount of games like a typical year, but we still get you know four or so trips out of our normal five and. Um, so the, the support we have here has been really great. So we were trying to find an, a, another trip, and we were hoping it'd go out west. And we were talking with them about the idea of coming out and playing a, a, a doubleheader, which is like the new normal this year. Um, not a lot of people want to host multiple teams on, on their campus at one time this year. So um, playing doubleheaders like what we did with Air Force is kind of a, a, a new normal. And um, so we, were, we had that option and the option in the Midwest. And we went with that option because I think anyone who looks at our schedule knows that I love playing high-level teams as to use it as an education, you know. And um, we're really excited. We think we're, we're going to be uh, uh, competitive. We have a really strong group. And um, we're not taking our strongest team out there due to various reasons. But we're taking a very strong um, version of what our roster can be. And uh, I'm extremely excited to see how it all shakes out. But we have a, a an, an early morning doubleheader on Sunday, and then we come right back home. So, how how fun, I I have insider information. I know that uh, my girl Kendall unfortunately had COVID, so she's still recovering and is not going on that trip. But uh, yeah, I can understand the reasons why you wouldn't be able to take an, your entire 
roster that you would want to. But yeah, I notice after UOP, and I've been talking with Joe about this. Listen, listen to this opponent list: Washington and Jefferson, Gannon, Mercyhurst, Grove City, Penn State, Barron, Wittenberg, and then whoever you compete against at the CWA CWPA tournament. So here's the question: yeah. Will you go undefeated the rest of the season? Um, I don't know, to be honest. Um, we haven't, we haven't even really thought about it or talked about it just because you never know what's going to happen. There's so many things you have to juggle with. Uh, we call it uh, COVID jail. And a lot of it has to do with just like exposure, um, you know, or potential exposure. And, you know, um, there's a lot of things you have to juggle and you just don't know. So we typically live in like a 48 hour bubble. Uh, I haven't even thought about the logistics of Saturday yet. I mean, they're all planned, but I haven't really gotten into them yet for just for Saturday because I haven't made it that far yet. And, uh, you just, we, we, we don't know. We have 23 women on our roster and we have to have all 23 prepared to win a championship because we don't know who's a, who will be available at that time. You know? So I think if somebody could promise us, we'd have our, our strongest roster available for the whole schedule. Then I would say that there's an opportunity, but you know, our conference, um, I think is, it doesn't get the credit it deserves with the level of great coaches we have, you know, Nicola at W and J is one of the best coaches in the entire world. Savannah at Wimberg is a phenomenal coach. Carthage McAllister both have great coaches so it's like you know you don't want to you don't want to look look too far forward you know and then Mercyhurst and Gannon and I guess we might be playing Mount St. Mary's at some point so um you know you you just never really know we we just kind of take it game to game so um we know that we have a good strong team but there's a lot of other challenges we have to we have to get through with injuries and COVID and things of that nature so I knew there was zero chance you would say that, yes, you're going to go undefeated. I just was curious about what, what when when I observed this this schedule, uh, that's what popped out at me was that these are all winnable games. Now, of course, you could, uh, yeah. you know, you could fall well, through the cracks, but, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the one thing with the schedule, you just never really know. It's, you know, we have two teams in our conference that essentially told us that we're not welcome to their schools. And this is how, how the UOP trip, uh, like, formulated was that uh, – Essentially, we were told by two schools we're not welcome just because we, we're, we're from Texas and their state politics are what they are. Oh, my. And, uh, we might have to have a conversation about that. Not necessarily yeah. here. No, yeah, for sure. But that's like another hurdle that, you know, teams have to deal with this. With this. It's, um, yeah, it's like you said at the very start. It's, it's, not a, it's not a normal year, you know, so clearly not i did not know that that is um that gets my hackles up so a conversation you know we will never say the team names but yeah you know we're looking forward to playing them in the near future got it we we, we say that like our our athletes know that they were told they weren't welcome you know so it's like um I, i i share everything with our athletes you know so it's like we're pretty excited to play them in the near future, where that's like next year or four years from now. Um, I think it's like something that will always be on the back burner. Um, but um, but yeah, it's just you know, that's just how this year has gone. You know, like we look at, at our men's season and what you're talking about with the short season. Like we had two weeks. The first two weeks of practice in January looked phenomenal. We were so excited to play. And then we hosted Air Force three weeks later or three weekends later, two weeks Um Man, we, we didn't have a single practice with more than nine guys because of all the different things you're dealing with, with like exposure to COVID and injuries and things of that nature. So it's such a roller coaster going back to your uh, question about the women's team. It's like, yeah, you just got to be, you got to go one weekend at a time, you know? So 
Fair enough. I think that uh, we'll follow up another time, hopefully during the women's season. And uh, until then, uh, thank you very much for your time, Mark. Yeah, absolutely, James. Thank you very much. That was Mark Lawrence, head coach of both the men and women at Austin College of Varsity Water Polo Programs, talking about what happened in California this last weekend and uh, also about what's coming up in uh, at UOP this coming weekend for his women. Um, anything else going on, Joe? No, just kind of good luck to the Austin College girls this weekend and kind of good luck to all the uh, kind of high school teams that are either starting play or their second weekend to play this upcoming weekend. And good luck to you, Joe, and your dogs. Yeah, good luck to all of you. Um, that's it, right? Thank you very much, Joe. Thanks. Thank you for listening, for telling a friend about the TX Water Polo Podcast. Um, if you want to support the work we do, um, then please do go to txwaterpolo.com forward slash give. And the gifts, uh, as, as I said last week, the gifts that you've given us have been really helpful. Um, I'm talking to you on a new microphone, uh, largely because we've, getting, we've gotten some very nice donations from people. Um, and uh, th- it'll help us, obviously, with our time doing all the things that we talk about, high school rankings and players of the week and so on. So very, very grateful for your input and for your, uh, for your gifts. So uh, until next week, so long from Austin.
This has been a production of TWP Sports, LLC.